When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Thursday, August 12th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 421, featuring Celtics legend and also a part of the CLNS Media Network here. Cedric Maxwell is powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. All right, everybody, here we go. Welcome in. Another nice new edition of Celtics Beat. Adam Kaufman with you and joined by a guy that is just, honestly, he's a, he's an even better guy than he gets credit for, which is saying something because everybody says what a great guy he is. And it's true. Cedric Maxwell, an NBA Finals, uh, MVP, part of the CLNS media network here. And also, of course, the longtime radio analyst of the Boston Celtics across the various platforms most recently and currently 98.5 the sports Hub. Max how are you buddy I am doing just fine uh, it is uh always a joy when I get on your show with you to cut it up and talk about NBA basketball or whatever you, you know we wonder into we we, we have <laughs> tendency to do that sometimes yeah but, uh, yeah loving the fact that I'm, I, I'm having a great summer so far we do wander. There's no doubt about it. In fact, let's wander right off the hop. You know, we got plenty of time to get into Celtics and Summer League, which I know you've been keeping an eye on, of course, off-season moves. And since our last show, the Celtics added Dennis Schroeder. We'll get into that. But but let's let's veer for a second. So this is this is a reward for those who are watching versus just listening. I'm wearing one of the uh one of the great uh homage as as the company is, uh NBA Jam shirts. I'm gonna show you this. Can you see this, Max? Yeah, Larry Bird, Kevin McHale. Now, obviously, you know the game NBA Jam. It's got the ratings on on speed and three pointers and dunks and defense. I feel like, and and I'll tell you for people that can't see and are just listening, McHale has looks like he was kind of disrespected in the dunk category. I mean, he's got just a little sliver of green and then a whole lot of red. He was a better dunker than that. No, he was a better dunker than Larry. I, I can definitely say that. And I think Larry's like three quarters of the bar. Yeah, I'm like, and look at Larry also was defense. I think that Kevin was a better defender uh, uh, than Larry. Uh, so I, I, your your shirt might have a, a little bias. It might be a little off, <laughs> but uh, we're going to go with that right now. Now, I, I want some self-assessment here. If you were on this shirt, you know, how much of the bar are you filling up in these, you know, speed, three-pointers, dunks, defense categories? Well, that three-point line would be going back the other way. It might be negative. Uh, <laughs> what was I had nine attempts. No, it was, it was 13 attempts, I think. It made one uh, my entire career. Uh, most of them were just hoisting up, you know, late the shot clock. But uh, I wouldn't be involved in Defense, that'd be pretty good. You know, other aspects. Duncan, I'd be the same way. I'd be down on the other end because I wasn't <laughs> a dunker. Uh, so I, I think I'd my shirt would be okay, but, uh, you know, part of it would be negative instead of positive. Well, Max, you know what they say, and it doesn't necessarily pertain to this, but you never forget your first. So do you remember that three-pointer? Uh, it was the only one, yeah. I was in Houston. <laughs> it was a blowout game. And I remember we got beat by the Rockets and I was in the locker room and I ran in and Danny Ainge was the only one who could see me. And I put my hands up into the symbolize <laughs> I had made a three and he just laughed. Danny came in and did it one time in the blowout game. We got blown out and everybody yelled and screamed at him. I'm like, damn, Danny, you can't do it in front of the, the other guys unless you win. <laughs> So uh, that was that was pretty funny. So I do remember that moment. Uh, it was uh, a fun moment in the right hand corner, knocking one down. So Max, uh, we haven't had you on the show in in a little while now. Try not to 
bug you too, too often, but obviously you have your podcast as well, the Cedric Maxwell podcast, you and uh, Jose. So hopefully people listen to that here as part of the CLNS media network. But I haven't heard you, at least on this program, weigh in on what has been a a, a very different offseason here for Boston since, you know, everything came to that first round crashing end against the Nets, which everybody expected, by the way. But then, I mean, just flick of the switch, like next morning, Danny Ainge is going to retire. Brad Stevens elevated to president of basketball operations. You fast forward, Ime Odoka is added as a first-time head coach. Obviously, a lot of supporters out there. And then just the roster movement. Kemba Walker sent away. Al Horford comes in. Moses Brown, then he's shipped out. You have Josh Richardson, Dennis Schroeder, who I mentioned as well. Uh, Chris Dunn, we'll see if he sticks on the roster. Bruno Fernando, who's now in summer league with the team as well. They had just the second round pick. Uh, Begaron there from France, who we're not going to see this coming year. And just a, a flurry of offseason movement that even Udoka alluded to while in Las Vegas watching the summer league squad may not be done. Obviously a ways to go before the season starts. So what have you made of, of, of this retooling, this transition we've seen? Well, First of all, I'll go with the first part with uh, Danny Ainge stepping down. Uh, I was surprised. And I don't think any of us saw it coming. And then more surprised when Brad stepped into the position. Mm-hmm. I had a chance to talk to Brad um, when they were uh, introducing Ime at the um, practice facility. And I said, who would be better buying the groceries than somebody who has done and had this team under his watch for the last six, seven years. And Brad totally looked at me and said, yep, you're right. He would know, <laughs> he would know the strengths and the weaknesses better than anybody else of this team. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I look at that and I'm, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may coming in is, um, you know, this is going to be a work in progress with him. Who, who really knows? Uh, you know, a first time head coach coming in, uh, the Celtics have put, their marbles in the ownership, you know, loves him. He seems like, you know, uh, that kind of guy, uh, that, uh, is going to, one thing he said, he talked about Brown and Tatum. He said, they want me to coach them hard. And that was music to my ears because there was sometimes when they, you take a shot, it's a bad shot. Brad didn't really, really didn't really say that much. And mm-hmm. you take a bad shot. I think you need to, you know, to have something in you just to look over at the culture or something. Uh, so I, I, I like the fact that he's going to demand more um, attention on the defensive end, uh, more ownership to what you do as a player to make this team better. And you have two great scores in Tatum and Brown. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to say anything different about them. But I think you look at them as uh, they have to do some things which are going to be different for this team to get better. They're going and to have Cantor, to be- by the way, another one. I didn't mention him before when I was rattling off all those names. He's back. Uh, but, you know, just to – and I'm sorry to cut you off. To, yeah. to go on with what you were just talking about with, you know, Brad having the opportunity to buy the groceries. Of course, people think back to the, you know, the, the famous Bill Parcells Bill press Parcells. conference there yeah. talking about that. but. I guess what I wonder is, and, and I'm, I'm curious as to, you know, kind of how you view this whole thing. It's like on the one hand, Brad only wants to be so involved in the coaching. You know, you listen to him. He says all the right things like this is, you know, I'm I'm eager for that first loss. So I can go and put my my arm around the new head coach and say, hey, this is just one. It's going to be tough, but you're going to be great and everything's wonderful and all of that stuff going forward. But, you know, at, at the same time he's very hands off, you know, he's like, once he's hired the coach, which obviously he has, it's his show, but I can't help but feel, and I'm not even saying this is a bad thing. It's just an observation. I can't help but feel that even though he is no longer the head coach, he is still in many ways building this thing within his vision. You know, you hire Udoka, who's obviously a defensive minded coach as Brad is, even though, you know, there was no indication of that last season, but generally speaking, teams have thrived under Brad here in Boston when, uh, you know, when, when it's been defense first, you bring in Dunn, Richardson, Schroeder, you know, Horford, a, a whole bunch of guys, obviously, that are that are defense first players, you know, not so much Cantor, obviously, but, you know, you get him on the veterans minimum. Is, is Brad looking to still, you know, not pull the strings because he's not setting the lineup. He's not telling Emei what to do. 
But is he doing this within his vision more so almost than that of the coach? I think every general manager does that. I think Danny did it in his vision. Mm-hmm. What he wanted his team to be like. When you got Kyrie Irving, that was his vision. When uh, you were playing and, and you had guards moving up and down the floor, shooting the threes, running the fast break, that was Danny Ainge's vision. So any general manager who comes in and formulates a team, normally that is how he played and what his strengths were. So I, I definitely think that Brad is doing that. He is looking at trying to make this team more defensively minded. And I've always said this about this team. When this team has decided they were going to out-defend you, they won their share of games. When this team has tried to outshoot you, they've mm-hmm. lost those same number of games. So is that a, I don't know, and it, it, what you just said there about Danny's vision being up and down the floor and shooting threes and everything. I mean, Brad, as we know, had guys doing that. Was that sort of a, a mantra from above or did Brad, you know, does Brad dive into the analytics, the stats, the percentage threes versus twos and all that? Does he believe in that as well? I guess what I'm wondering is, will we see Ime, you know, out, will we see his teams out here taking 30, 43 pointers a game, or is he going to dial that back? Cause he's, even though it is very much today's NBA, today's style, Maybe he doesn't build with, you know, within that mindset. I think that his vision has been formulated by Greg Popovich, a great coach, a great mm-hmm. coach. And if you watch what Pop's teams have done over the years, they have defended really well. They were fundamentally sound. They did not make mistakes. And that is that's how I think that he's going to base and construct his team and, and being very, very, very sound. We didn't, you, you think about Tim Duncan. That's when he said, just everybody said, just plain vanilla, just plain old vanilla, nothing, but it was exceptional, mm-hmm. but it wasn't anything that was, you know, blowing you out of the water, any moves he did, anything like that. And I think that's what he wants his team to be understated on the offensive end, but overstated on the defensive end. And I think that is more of what Greg Popovich taught him as being a, being a coach. This Celtics team, as noted, may not be done building. I, I wouldn't be at all surprised if there are more moves to come, even potential trades, depending. You know, like, could Chris Dunn be sent out, that type of, you know, that level? Because I certainly don't think Marcus Smart is going to be traded, although maybe you disagree with that. I know there have been rumors in this offseason that, that they could be looking to uh, to to – you know, send him off versus giving him that four-year, roughly $70 million extension. Here's what I'll ask you. Yeah. Why why would they do that? You mean the one one true defender that you have on this team? Right. The one true defender that, you know, that's going to bust his ass every night and Mm -hmm. is going to defend up to the yang-yang and make these exceptional plays. Yep. Why would he be the person that you would send away? Last well, what, year he was. Last year he was also your best facilitator. Mm-hmm. He was your best passer. So I think he's grown into a role. And you know, you know how I feel about him. Yeah, I am truly a fan of Marcus Smart. I've always been. Mm-hmm. I know you have a little different feel about it. No, I'm right there with you. I'm absolutely a Marcus Smart so, fan. So the, there, there are some people who do, and some people have a different feel. But for me, it's like. What is what's the sense of urgency when you think about having your best defender go away and your best playmaker go away? I'm with you there. You know, Celtics fans, this will uh, you know ring true in the hearts of many in this house. We do not slander Marcus Smart. I'm right there with you on Marcus Smart. But there are a lot of people, as you know, that gripe about the three pointers, the early shot clock shots, the you know bad shots, heat check shots, all that stuff. And I never got mad about it. And here's why. It was outwardly, it was openly encouraged by Brad. What I, you know, like at that point, you're just doing what your coach is telling you to do. I wonder if Ime Odoka is going to rein that in a little bit because it, I don't think Marcus is nearly as bad a shooter as a lot of people think he is. I think he's an average shooter and he's a fine shooter. I don't need him out there taking seven three-pointers a game, you know, versus, you know, taking shots in some cases away from guys who are better shooters. And I'm not just talking about obviously like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I mean, Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Neesmith, guys like that. You don't need Smart taking all those shots on average every single game. That, uh, excuse me, that being said, 
Ime can shape him. He can mold him in his vision because you don't listen to the coach. You know, you're it, it, that that doesn't that doesn't go well for you. You know, as as you certainly know as a former player. So you got to listen to your coach. You got to buy into the new voice. I'm wondering if Ime Odoka changes his style just a little bit. Not all the areas you just outlined. You want all that to continue, but offensively in terms of the way he shoots and the frequency in which he shoots. I think that everybody should be on that same page. I mean, as much as we think that Tatum has a green light or Brown has a green light there, a lot of times when I am screaming and yelling, how about two points? How about taking the ball towards the rim? So I think that Ime is going to hopefully want to change that vision of attacking the rim a little bit more. Jason Tatum, the thing about him was his, his free throws. The number of free throws have to go up. If you are a volume shooter, they have to go up. He should be getting someplace around eight to 10 free throws a game. Whereas many games he would get three, four free throws a game. And that can't happen. Ime's vision with all those players, including Marcus Smart, I think hopefully will be the same way. Cause you're looking, when you're talking to me, you're talking about somebody who was a high percentage shooter who shot around the rim, who shot a bunch of free throws. Mm-hmm. who look to get the other guys in foul difficulty. The, something you, the hardest, the easiest way for a team to not defend you is when you, to, you take threes because a lot of times they're, you, you're, you're off balance, you're not centered, and uh, those shots are 30%, 35%, something like that. So I, I don't believe in the analytics as much as other people. I, I believe that when you take high percentage shots, attacking the rim, you got an opportunity, two things. One, if you miss a shot, you can get your rebound. Two, you get a guy in foul difficulty. Three, if a guy's in foul difficulty, he cannot hurt you when his ass is on the pine. So I, there are a lot of things I believe in in that way. I'm curious what you think of of not just Ime Odoka, the, the reputation, even the man, but what you've observed so far in the very limited time that he has been coaching this team. There are only so many times that he's been out in front of the media, obviously, but I feel like whenever he is, he tells you something very specific that, you know, you can even interpret, quite frankly, as as little jabs, little pot shots, you know, little just, look, we, we did it one way before I was here. Now we're going to do it another way, and that's important. For instance, you know, like that opening press conference, and he said it multiple times since, you know, sort of, poking Brad about the 27th ranked offense in terms of assists or whatever it was. And then even this last time in Las Vegas, a couple of days ago, he said, you know, he was asked about like, so what's, what are you looking for? What kind of team do you want to have? And he said, I want our best players, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to be playmakers, to be better playmakers. And I thought that was just such a, uh, you could look at it as well. Yeah, sure. Of course, as an obvious statement, I took it as one that was, it was almost voicing what so many of us were screaming throughout last year. Trust your teammates, play together, no more ISO ball. You know, it's, and, and I, I just, I like hearing things like that come out of his mouth. I think it's easy to say, but I think you look at guys' games too. And I remember talking to Danny and we were talking about the differences between Tatum and Brown. I said there, sometimes for me with Tatum as great as he is, when he has the ball and he's dribble, 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 (laughs) then the defense becomes more entrenched and you don't move. Danny says to me, which I thought was true. And I said, now Jalen on the other side, I said, he is quick. He's efficient. It's up. It's out. I'm going home. I'm I'm, I'm out the door. Danny made a, a good point with me. He said, Tatum has to put the ball on the floor a little bit more. He doesn't have that in his game like Brown, he's going to try to beat you towards the hole with a stutter step dribble. He's going to try to beat you, you know, stepping away from the rim. And it takes two or three more dribbles to do that. That is what was my concern. So I think that there's there's points for improvement with both these guys. I, probably like you, did not like the fact that and I'm not going to speak for you, but I didn't like the fact that uh, Tatum went to the Olympics. God bless him. He won, he, he won a gold medal. But with the shortened season, yep. with him having COVID, mm-hmm. I just wanted him to rest. I wanted him to take 
a time to be away from the game and just rest his body and rest his mind. Now you come off the Olympics, you got less than a month to get prepared again to crank your body back up. And I have the saying, either you rest your body or your body's going to rest you. And what I mean by that was some kind of injury. So I'm not saying he's going to happen, happen to him, but I just really wanted him to get to a little step back away from the game and look at it from afar and be more analytical in his mind instead of physical. Now, there's some things I think he learned in, in the Olympics by playing with some of those great players. Mm-hmm. Because there were times when he was, he turned out to be the show in the Olympics. So mm-hmm. it boded well, I guess, in, in, in that other side for him to play in it and, and kudos to him for what he ended up doing. Does the, I understand what you're saying for sure. It's something we've talked about on this, this show in weeks past, but do the pros outweigh the cons? The cons, obviously everything that you just outlined and you're dead on, but the pros of the experience playing in that stage, playing with those guys, like you said, and, and potential recruitment down the road. I mean, who the hell knows, but we know the way this league works, obviously. And we know how some of these super teams have been formed in the past. Uh, would have been great, obviously, if he had Bradley Beal there with him as uh, originally designed, but it's not like those two need to get to know each other better. We all know what, uh, you know, what the objective seemingly is between the two of them. But, you know, being able to play more than he already has for Greg Popovich and learning from him, being there with Ime Odoka every step of the way, even though Odoka was the assistant coach, but now being able, you know, on a personal level to build on their relationship and say, okay, I'm going to be coaching you. I am your head coach next season. So it's even bigger than that. Do the pros outweigh the cons? Do you think of him going? Yes, I think they do. In my mind, I didn't, I didn't like it, but if you look at it, the way it actually happened, because early on you said, man, what a disaster. This is." (laughs) You looked at that team, not playing well, all the things going wrong. And then all of a sudden, it clicked into another gear. So I think the pros actually outweighed the cons in him playing in the Olympics. It was just my own opinion Mm -hmm. of me looking at him as a player and knowing how much it takes to lead a team and then for him to have COVID and watching watching his game change during that time. Mm -hmm. Remember him saying to... The media and he had one of the worst games I'd seen him play. It was in Washington, right after he had COVID. And he said, he said there were times out there I couldn't breathe. Yeah. He said, Yeah, I started playing with an inhaler. And so for me, it was an opportunity to kind of just, you know, center yeah, your body yourself. a break. Yeah, center yourself a little bit more because of COVID. And all the things and the seasons and the bubble and all these com- things coming together. Well, look, Jalen Brown was, you know, as, as you said, sometimes your body will rest you. The, I mean, he was forced into that. He would have been there. He would have been on that roster. He would have been part of that team, if not for the late season injury that sidelined him. Yeah, I think he is, there's a possibility. But again, he didn't have COVID. Not COVID. Yeah. He, was, he wasn't one of those guys. Yeah. And for him that for him to play, I think would have probably been a little bit different for me looking at it. Hmm. But um, you know, things worked out well. They won the Olympic medal, gold medal. He comes back with more confidence. He's gonna comes back, as you said, maybe an opportunity to recruit some guys uh and bring them over with him. Uh there were some people at uh NBC Comcast the other day, they were they were going on, oh, Tatum and Brown, you know, when are they going to be tired of losing? And that, I said, wait a minute. Jason Tatum hadn't even played under the new contract yet. <laughs> That's I mean, right. Going out the door already. I mean, yeah. there's a five-year deal is starting out this year with a with a brand new coach. So let's just not get too high-strung about what might happen. Matter of fact, to me, this season could be a wash. In the sense that you have a new coach, mm-hmm. you have players who are trying to adjust to a new system. Uh, you have a new guy buying the groceries and Brad. Um, you look at this team and, and, you know, this is when I get a chance to, you know, I guess throw the dice back at you. You looking at this team right now, 
What place is this team right now in the Eastern Conference? So I think they could, and this is kind of a cop-out, Max, but I think they could be anywhere between 4th and 10th. You know, like they're to me, they're absolutely at their worst a play-in team. So I don't, I don't see them outright missing the playoffs. I do believe they're a playoff team. I do believe they're a top six team. But if you were to tell me going into the year, anywhere between fourth and 10th, pardon me, I absolutely believe that because this is just, it's, it's, this team to me is deeper. It's more well-rounded. It is better than last year. Yeah, well, I, let me, let me ask you this. Dude. You make that point, but let me ask you this. Let's go down the number of teams. Let's see mm-hmm. who, who do you think is better than them right now? Well, Brooklyn's better, obviously. Brooklyn? Okay, well, I'm going to go with this. Slow down. Yep. Go ahead. Brooklyn, one. Milwaukee's better. Two. Miami's better. Three. So those are definites. Three. Okay. Chicago could be better. Well, we ain't got Chicago yet. Let's say, how about Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, I know what they did last year. I still don't yeah. love the Hawks, but you can, I'll, I'll, I'll certainly listen to it. Atlanta? Okay. Okay. So those those four, that's all you that's as far as you're going right now? That's as far as I I would go with automatics. And like I said, I wouldn't even make Atlanta an automatic. But those uh, you would, for sure. Let me ask you, so you wouldn't say Philly is better? I wouldn't say automatically. We still don't even know if Ben Simmons is gonna be on that team. Ben you Sim- know, and if and if you move him Ben Simmons isn't that team. Joel Embiid is that team. No, I know I yeah, but you can't tell me Ben Simmons stinks. And I know so if you're and he stinks. Right. So if you're if you're moving him away, stink. you know, I, what I do you get in return? I still believe that Philly is a better team. I see this team right now is maybe seven when you this think team, about, the Celtics team. Yeah, I think maybe seven. When I start thinking about the number of teams you talked about, mm-hmm. and you look what Miami has done. Miami has really got the stick down there, man. It's it's gonna be yeah. Woo, it, it's gonna be it, there. There's gonna be some tough roads to hold, man. When you think about those teams and playing, and you know, and another team is gonna really be good. And I think right in this, right in that wheelhouse is gonna be Charlotte. Charlotte improved on what they had with their young point guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know if, if if this if there's a certain gentleman that can stay healthy all year. Yeah, we'll see if Hayward can stay on the floor. We, we, we're not sure about that. Yeah. But those other pieces, Bridges and those guys, mm-hmm. they became a, a better team last year. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the prospects of the, the way you play and, as you said, you put Chicago in the mix over there, that, that could be – Really give the Celtics really a, a, a hard road, a bumpy road. So that in mind, I mean, there's there's no denying the mm-hmm. East got better. To your point, mm-hmm. have the Celtics gotten better, or have they? You know, because last year, like last year, we never even got an indication of what they could be mm-hmm. because they were just never healthy. Whether it was injuries or COVID, they you know far and away lost more man games than anybody else across the league. And, and that's not to make an excuse; it's just reality. We never saw what that team was designed to be or could become. Last year was was a wasted year, not intentionally. A lot of people think this year is wasted intentionally based on the way they've rebuilt this roster. I happen to believe they are a, while not a contender, a better team than what they were last year. They are a better than 500 team, which is what they were last season. Do you agree with that? Or do you think that they are? I, I agree right with around? that. I agree with that, especially when you start thinking about their bench right now. I think that is, is to me, is going to be the key. Last year, when you had you look, start looking at your bench, and you know, as you said, we're going to probably get the Schroeder in a minute. Who mm-hmm. he is as a player, and yep. you can look at the other pieces that they're trying to add in with Dunn and guys like that. We don't know if they're going to be here, but still, just the quality of those guys. And mm-hmm. as much as I love Taco as a person, yeah, basketball wise, it. The game has moved so far away from him mm-hmm. that how is he going to affect you or ever play for you? Those those slots, those three, four slots down at the bottom. Or ch- I mean, I, I hate the fact that, you know, you, you start losing, um, I mean, a couple of guys here and there. Kimba was really a, a cool dude, man. I really, I love yeah. him. But I understood what the Celtics were doing. And will Al Horford come back in the leadership role? That's gonna be that's gonna be just as big because mm-hmm. when Al was here, Al was a, a quiet leader. Will he be better? Will he make Rob Williams? Will he make him better? Will he be more accountable? When you're Rob Williams and you're 25 years old 
as you know, you had your best body. I don't think I'm looking at your face. I don't think you're 25 anymore. I wish. That'd be at nice. 25, at 25, you could run through a wall, and there wasn't a pain or ache nope. that you had. You ran all day. Rob Williams plays six, seven games, and boom, he's out. Yeah. So I'm, I'm concerned right now about his health. Can, how long can he play? I love the fact you bring back cancer because, you know, Women, chicks, guys, everybody, they love the second chance opportunities. He's one, <laughs> of, the right. best, he's one of the best offensive rebounders the Celtics have had in the last, I want to say, last 10, 12 years. Sure. Getting those second chance opportunities. So so I like some of the things that they, they brought back and who is going to be eliminated. Let's get to that in just a second. First, a quick break to tell you Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, of course, in full swing. Playoffs not too far away. Another 40-some games. You can track all that action at Bet Online. You can get the latest odds, news, info based on all your sports needs, and including, of course, baseball, NBA coming, NHL as well, NFL preseason. There's tonight, UFC, MMA action. The list goes on. Patriots football begins this evening. We'll get a look at the quarterbacks, of course. Preseason, Cam Newton, Mac Jones, what uh, odds will be for everything NFL in preparation for the start of the season, NFL futures, regular season specials, team wins, playoff specials, division standings, player futures, already have odds on the 2022 NFL draft, folks. It's all out there for you at Bet Online. even odds for the NBA championship and the Celtics. We're talking all about them, plus 3,300 if you want to... Uh, Lay some coin on long odds, real-time updated odds, props on almost anything that you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way and best place for you to place bets, and it is free to sign up. So before the next pitch, the next kick, the next shot, whatever it may be, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device. Take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So talking about this roster, Max, you brought up Ennis Cantor. Now, I, like Evan, if, if Evan Valenti were here with us for this show, Evan was not excited about the uh, the Cantor re-signing. He said, I can't do any more Ennis Cantor minutes, you know, after what he saw in Boston a couple of years back. I, for one, you know, at a certain point in time, Max, you look at role, you look at salary, you look at all of it, you know, putting a team together. And Ennis Cantor for one year in the veterans minimum of what, $2.7 million for what he can do offensively, for what he can do as a rebounder. Yeah, he's not the best defensive player. He's not even a good defensive player. But for what he can do in those other areas, and plus as a glue guy, a locker room guy, a popular teammate, all of that when there was reported friction in the locker room, Tristan Thompson, among others, last season. To me, it's just such an easy value add. It's such an easy value add and if he's you know for for any reason unplayable in the mind of Udoka because you need to crack down defensively and you you, you just you can't put him out on the floor you don't you don't because like you said you he, got Williams yeah, hopefully you got Horford and beyond he checks the boxes to me yeah because you said you know, just playing defense maybe you don't have him out there but offensively getting second chance opportunities tough it's gonna set mean picks Locker room guy, great guy. It really, it, his teammates have embraced him. Two point seven million. I know for for you, that's little peanuts. But oh yeah, in in that in that respect, I think it's it's a steal. It's, it's yeah. a no-brainer. And he was already familiar with the guys who he he's playing with now, uh, in in Brown and Tatum. Uh, so I I I I love his pickup. I love the fact that you bring him in and that you maybe moved on, you know, the one guy I'm going to miss a little bit is going to be Simi, Shimmy Ojale. Because I think he was with fans and everybody else. I think he was a little underrated because he was, he was solid. He was a solid defender. We, we, we didn't like, we didn't like the fact he was shooting threes all the time. We wanted them to go towards the basket, but he was just solid. He, he was a solid defender. He was the one guy that you felt that if you put him in front of Giannis, that Giannis wasn't going to Euro step and go by him other than Marcus Smart. And so the Bucks went out and got him. So what? Yeah. <laughs> so, so the Bucks went out and got him. Exactly. <laughs> that's, what happened, that's what happened in that Horford trade, right? The Horford yeah. move 
to uh, Philly. That's why Philly went out and got him because he yeah. did such a great job with Joel Embiid. That's right. Now, so, one of the things that, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've talked about and I want to talk, talk on your show about mm-hmm. is the fact that I was hoping that Brad pulled the trigger. And I love Tatum and I love Brown. But what I see is two players who are almost identical. I want some contrast. I'll let you go back to your mineral Rolodex, and I've done this before with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Name me a time where you've seen Brown or Tatum, your two best players, mm-hmm. go up to the opposition and say, if you do that shit again, I'm going to knock your head off. Oh, neither one of those guys are built that way. No. So, so your two best that's, players. That's Marcus Smart. Yeah, yeah. You, so, so your two best players, and I'm not advocating that they fight, but I want them to protect themselves. And because of that, I almost wish that Brad and, and the only asset you have like that is the guy that I love and put it out there was Carl Anthony Towns. Carl mm-hmm. Anthony Towns is losing. He checks the boxes for what you want. He was one of the last guys to have a real fight in this league with Joel Embiid. Yeah. I just but, but, but then I, as everyone does in this generation, they just yeah. went and took it to social media. Yeah, but I mean, I wanted, if if I was going to make a move, as much as I, I love Brown, I think I would have, I probably would have moved him if I could have gathered Joel Embiid. Uh, not to say I don't like him as a player or a person because I absolutely love him, but I want to see contrast between my two best players. What is the difference when you think about Brown and Tatum? Well, I, I guess I would first wonder to what you just said, though, you know, like who was available? Like, obviously, Philly's not moving Embiid and, and Philly's not taking Brown for Embiid. So that wasn't even on the table. And then Towns, you know, you've heard his name mentioned from time to time, but it's not like, you know, there's been any real serious reporting about teams exploring trades for him or them looking to deal him away. But I mean, so. I mean you still look at that. Like, there, there are opportunities out there. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody ever thought we were getting Kevin Garnett. We got him. I mean, there are opportunities when you look and you you talk about players that you have yeah. and you move around. I remember some people were screaming at me saying, oh, um, you know, you don't want to get this guy because he's this age and you don't want to do this. It was like for, for a while, everybody was going up and down and said Damian Lillard was coming here. To yeah. And everybody said, well, you'd have to give up Brown for him. I said, uh, okay. Well, no, his age, he, he's – Right. Look at his age. And, and well, you're definitely shortening your window by yeah, doing but, something but like that. What, but this is what I said. I said, how old was Kevin Garnett when you got him? A little different, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. How old was he when you got him? Virtually the same age. Yeah. And the thing about Dame Lillard to me is he's a generational guard. Sure. There, 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 there are not a lot of those in this league that you look at as a generational guard. And on top of that, there's a contrast between him and Tatum when it comes to the mean spirit. Dame Lillard would step on your mom's hand if it was down <laughs> on the ground. She, he would, he would stomp on her damn fingers and then go to the basket. I'm not sure if you know where we have our players right now. How many times have they helped up the opposition? Sure. You know, drives me. Freaking bonkers. Well, I guess what I guess what I would ask you though is, you know, if like let's let's go to fantasy land. Yeah, and why not? That, you know, say the, yeah, just for giggles, say the Celtics were able to move Jalen Brown plus because it's not just Brown and one for uh-huh. one. Jalen Brown plus for Damian Lillard. So your 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 figureheads, you know, the heads of the snake are Lillard and Tatum, and then you've got whatever you've got around them. Are they a contender? I don't think they are. I don't think they're contender, but I think they're closer. I mean, I, I like him. I like him better than I like uh, Beal. Well, sure. Although Beal's better than like you know, Beal, but I like younger. Him. At the end, since we're in fantasy land, we're playing this game. I, but, I, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade Brown for Beal either. Like, no, and no, obviously, I'm, Brad. I'm, you know, right, Stevens. Right. His objective right you, now is to add you, Beal in a, a free agency next year. Okay. Would you trade Brown for since we're in this fantasy world? Yeah. Would you trade Brown for Carl Anthony Towns. 
I would do that. Yes. You know, them bobbleheads behind you right now, they're shaking their head going. Yeah, I would do that. Make that move. Because I think you start looking at his age. And he has to be at some point tired of losing, man. Good thing. Yeah, I mean, they're not going anywhere in Minnesota anytime soon. He has to be at that point where he's going to tell these guys, look, man, get me out of here. And we know now that players in the NBA, if they want to go, they're going. They're right. Well, but the, but to circle back to what you said, that's why your friends over there at NBC are saying, you know, how long before Tatum and Brown want out? And you're saying the contract hasn't even kicked in yet for Tatum. But that's that's the fear, right? That's the fear of these guys saying, you know, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Well, that is why I think you make those kind of moves, which are, to me, are blockbuster moves. If you got Towns and you had Tatum together, are you a lot more closer? If you have Towns and Tatum together, I think you are closer. I would wonder what the package would be, obviously, because depth of your roster is, you know, factors into that equation. But just as two stars in a vacuum, yeah, I think Town and Towns and, uh, and and Tatum is a better match than obviously Brown and Tatum. Yeah, yeah, because. The thing I'm looking for, again, is, and no offense again at all to Brown, because I love Brown. Sure. But I want some contrast. Like, you don't do peanut butter and peanut butter on the sandwich. You don't do that when you make, it's like peanut butter and jelly. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. Both these guys are, to me, they're peanut butter. I need some jelly. I need something that's going to be different that makes me look and going, hmm, Okay. This is what checks the box. Then this is why I look at Tatum and Brown. What do they do different than the other guy? What does one guy do that much different that you say, you look at and go, wow, that's really Yeah, I mean, I I think there are replicated talents there, obviously. I don't think they're, I don't think they're totally, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Redundant. I, I, I don't agree with that, but. No, I'm not. Yeah, I, I don't think there's done. there's that marked like. Because didn't Kevin Garnett say that that he thought that those two guys were redundant to one another? I don't believe believe in in that. But I, uh, especially in the league the way it is now with positionless basketball and the emphasis on the wing and all of that, you know, I think you can and and we've seen it with Boston. I think you can have two guys like that. I, what you can't have, which is you know what Danny was doing the last few years, is you can't have two guys like that and a shoot first point guard. You can't have two guys like that and a Kyrie Irving and, a, you know, a, an Isaiah Thomas, a, a Kemba Walker. Like, that's not a good fit, which is maybe what makes Marcus Smart or Dennis Schroeder, whomever it may be, or maybe it's both them out there on the floor as a, a playmaker first, as a, a, a distributor first, if, you know, Smart certainly more so than Schroeder. Maybe that makes for a better fit. Maybe we see a different dynamic here. Yeah, I can't wait for us to get around to the Schroeder talk. Well, let's talk about him. Let's talk about this guy because, you know, we were talking about money and like you said, like 2.7 for Cantor. I mean, for me, yeah, life-changing money. Building out your NBA roster, pennies. It's nothing. And Schroeder to me, one year, and I know like a lot of people have gripes with Schroeder and I get it. I do get it. Like he's, he wouldn't be number one on my list either in free agency, again, in a vacuum. Like if you said to me, like LA last year, you can have Dennis Schroeder for four years, 84 million bucks. You want him? No, I'm running the hell away. But if I can have him at one year and 5.9, no brainer. Yeah, absolutely. It's a no brainer. The problem I have though is, and, and this is just me, a numbers guy. How did he turn down $84 million? <laughs> Be nice. I hope he finds his agents, right? Your grandmother and your, your sister, everybody say, he, you did what? Maybe he, yeah. he turned down what? To, to stay in Los Angeles with LeBron James and Anthony right. Davis. I mean, even if you don't stay in there, you still got the $84 million. Yeah. And I, I mean, I look at that and said, I'm not checking it. I'm not being um, scrutinized you know, the overall intelligence, but man, that, the, you don't get a, a flag doesn't go off in your head. A bell doesn't go off and the, the ding, ding, ding. I mean, you turned down $84 million, man. And you, so to, to get as, six. As, as one of the radio voices of this team and as obviously a media person and someone who's like, I mean, you're going to deal with these guys, uh, hopefully in, in, yeah. 
in this world face to face. Like you're, you know, hopefully you're going to see Schroeder, talk to Schroeder, both on the air and off. Is is that an off limits question? Is that is that something that you're going to ask about? No, it's a it's an off limits question. You can't go up to the guy. I really want to and want to say, <laughs> what the hell were you thinking about? <laughs> you you had eighty four million dollars in your hands. Yeah, you just said no. I I don't want that. But what I want is I want six million dollars from the Celtics. <laughs> Give me a prove it deal. Give yeah, me that yeah, prove I, it I, deal. Yeah, I, I, I mean. Is I mean we've all been there before. Is that one in the hand and two in the bush? Is yeah. What it's about? I mean, it that to me was like um, I don't know something just something just ain't right with me when it comes to that decision. It's just like, it, but for the Celtics, it is absolutely a great deal to bring in a quality player like him who is worth. 84 million and you get him for 6 million what did you just do you just instead of going to instead of buying your stuff at Nordstrom's Rack you found <laughs> that same product at TJ Maxx that's what, you did. <laughs> that's what just happened that's, that's what just happened to you in the numbers thing you got the same quality but you bought it for, lot, for less so how do you like his fit with this team? And and we don't know if this team as it's currently constructed is going to stay like we've said before. But let's say you have Schroeder, you have Smart, you have Dunn, you have Pritchard, you have, you know, all, all these guys. And I, I don't want to say that they all replicate one another. They don't, you know, in, in many ways they don't. But across this roster, like right now, we just we just have way too many bodies. Like someone's going to go. Someone's, you know, whether it's like a, a Grant Williams, whether it is Dunn, whether it's Carson Edwards. Like this this roster, as we look at it right now, as it exists in this moment, is not going to be obviously come the regular season. So how does Schroeder fit in with in, this, in with this group? Do you do you salary aside just the fit as as an offensive contributor is a starter versus as a reserve as a defender? How do you like what he brings to the team? I, I like what he brings to the team as, as a defender. I like his uh, shrewdness. The thing that he was mentioned as, as you know, when he was in, in Germany, it was always said that he was the German Rondo. His intellect for looking at the game, dissecting the game, not that, you know, he's not going to beat you with blazing speed, but he's quick enough to get by you. He plays angles. He's not a bad shooter from the three-point line. His best years to me probably were in, oh, as much as he played in Atlanta, his best years actually when he's in Oklahoma coming off the bench where he should have been sixth man of the year. He played that well. So I think that there's his intellect for the game. His ability to compete is going to be good too because you have him for one year. So now he's trying to prove everybody on the other side that I'm worth that $84 million. So I, there, there are some qualities about him that I absolutely love. And he is not going, and, and I've always seen him never back down. You know, you I'm always talking about those guys who might fight and might do something a little nasty, a little dirty to you. Truther is that he, Truther is that, you know how you've been out sometimes during the summertime and mm, <laughs> a little gnat flying around your face. <laughs> you just you just <laughs> watching it something because man, the thing is like what the Schroeder is like that on the defensive end where it gets into people's heads and sometimes takes them away from the game because he anticipates so well and he slides his feet really really well. He's he's a lot like Marcus Smart, an irritant on the defensive mm-hmm. end. So, so I like that. Yeah, that's me outside 5 p.m. every day of August, just swatting the hell of no, I mean, you. And you say that, you know, I'm 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 a big nature guy. I, you know, these nature shows, I love watching them. I see these people up in Alaska during the summertime. Man, mosquitoes are just, <laughs> oh, no, no I thanks. could be there. They're just all one guy finally showed. He said, "Watch my hand." He put his hand in front of the camera. And all these mosquitoes just, I, it would have drove me absolutely crazy. I could have never done it. But that's what the irritant I think about those two point guards, those two guards that we talked yeah. about, smart and also shrewder in that way. 
So for anyone listening, don't confuse what I'm saying here. I don't, I don't want to present this group like it's the 1819 team that we had such high expectations for when it was like, Oh, there's, you know, the you had Morris and Rozier and all these guys off the bench, but there's only one basketball, but I'm looking at this group and you have Tatum, you have Brown. That's where most of your offense is going to come from. It should anyway. You also have Smart, who's going to take his shots. Schroeder, who's a guy who can reliably get you 15 points a game or more, depending obviously in, uh, you know, how you use him. Richardson's a guy who can get you double digits. Cantor, depending on how you use him, could, and he won't, but he could get you double digits. At a certain point, you're looking at it and saying, Horford, yeah, absolutely, Al Horford. So you're, and heck, Robert Williams, if he's a starter, you know, he's like, he's a guy that could get you 10 a game, probably won't, I guess, again, depending on everyone else, but, but it, it, it filters down and trickles. And you know, what we're seeing here in summer league and it's summer league, but what your aspirations are for a Peyton Pritchard, for an Aaron Neesmith, for a Romeo Langford, those guys in particular, never mind if like, you know, like a new fan favorite, Yam Madar is on this roster or something, but those three guys in particular, what your hope is for them offensively not necessarily just this year, but just in their growth and their development. Is there room, you know, is there, is there room for those guys to go out there and be as impactful to develop as much as you would like them to, or as Brad really swung the other way in, in trying to load up the the back half of this roster with veterans. I, I, I happen to agree with you on that. And the fact that you have too many of those guys, or to have a couple of good young players over there sitting on the bench chomping at the bit, where are they going to get their time? I mean, that was one thing that Brad did. If I was being critical of Brad was when he had that great team, it's like he was trying to play everybody. You cannot play everybody. You got to get to a rotation of maybe seven, eight guys. And then everybody else is going to be sitting on the bench for a while. So I think their development as players, those guys you mentioned, Pritchard, Naismith, is probably going to be stymied because they won't get that amount of time, especially the way this team is constructed right now today. Yeah, I wonder what it looks like going forward. I really do. It's going to be interesting. I mean, I think it'll be a fun team to watch. I just think there's 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 a lot of depth, and depth is a good thing because there's mm-hmm. there's injuries. Who knows what COVID will or, or won't present the you know the delta variant and all and whatever other variants that come along along the way you can never have too much depth but i i just wonder you know uh, i'll be really curious because like we saw what brad did we saw for eight years what brad did we don't know how Ime Odoka is going to run this ship and I'm, I'm curious to see what this looks like once we you know get to training camp and into the season mm-hmm. i and, and here's this is one of those things you you mentioned this so i've always liked to ask this to people like you who are, you have influence because you are on the air. What do you feel about the vaccination? Do you feel like people should be vaccinated or shouldn't be vaccinated? It's their choice. How do you feel? Uh, I would like to put you on the, sure, no, I, and, I love this. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I'm pro the vaccine. I, I think that there's just, there's, there's, you know, I, I'm pro science is, is really what it comes down to. And I think the science generally supports the vaccine you know I, I think there are obviously people out there that that don't believe that and and everyone has a right to their own opinion but you know i, I think that if someone you know to I, I guess to be like kind of crass about it you know if 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 you get covid and you have decided you're not going to vaccinate yourself and you get really sick or heaven forbid worse who do you have to blame but yourself you know, like there's, there's, there's a reason that we've, many of us, most of us, right, have been vaccinated against, you know, smallpox and so many other things along the way. It's because like that, I mean, I, I, I understand herd mentality. I understand why a lot of people, you know, there's the mindset of, you know, let's just, let's just let it run through everybody and everybody gets it. And then we move on with, with, with our lives. It's, you know, how long that could take. You know, and, and the fact that kids, like I'm a, I'm a dad with young children, you know, kids, kids can't be vaccinated right now, you know, at least at at the age that mine are, you know, Mm -hmm. all under 10 years old. So, excuse me, you need to, it's just another wrinkle in safety and precaution and, and, and trying to keep them safe. Like I'm not, you know, hopefully I won't get COVID or for all I know I've had it and, and just wasn't tested for it, but I'm vaccinated. So hopefully if, if I do get it, 
I'll, uh, you know, I'll be okay. But, yep. but I'm, I'm certainly concerned about my children getting it who aren't protected. Yeah. That, that is, that's mine. I mean, like, what do you have to, what do you have to lose? What I understand if you take the vaccine and you get COVID, you're not going to die. The yeah. possibility you're dying are going to be remote. So what do you, I mean, it's like at one time, and you know, I'm older than you. It's like, and so at one time people were, didn't want to wear seatbelts. Yeah. I'm wearing a damn seatbelt. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no. I'm not wearing one. Well, but the government mandated that you wear seatbelts. Then they start giving people tickets. And now it's second nature to put on a seatbelt. Yeah. It's just second nature. You don't even you don't even think about it. Like, oh, you know, click, click, you, you, you buckle up. The same thing should be to me, I think, when it comes to getting vaccinated. And I just think, like, for, people, for me, I have, a, I have a daughter. I have a daughter who's a doctor who is totally against the science. Really? That's her doctorate. But she's totally against the science. She's like, no, I'm not doing that. This it, this has to happen. And and and, and I've taught, it's like, you have a, a young child. Protect your child, if nothing yeah. else. So I, I don't even understand how people don't get vaccinated, unless there's a medical condition that you have. Some mm-hmm. people have a medical condition where, you know, they cannot do it. But if you don't have a medical condition, I, I don't even understand what the logic is. I, I've, I've, I've seen some, they talk about some of the baseball players and some of the football players right mm-hmm. now. Say, nah, now nah, I'm not getting it. I'm not getting it. Why? That, right. that, that keeps going back to me. Why? Other than you don't want to, why? What, what's yeah. the reason? No, I mean, I think in some cases, uh, you know, people have reasons that they feel are are justifiable and maybe in their own world they are. I, I can't, but, you know, I what can't are they? feel or not <laughs> feel, but. Tell but, me what are they? Well, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. But I, what all I was going to say is well, one they don't know that, either. One, one reason that I will never understand, Max, is like, you know, well, you're, you're going to give me the shot and inject a chip into my body and the government's going to be watching me. And it, like, the, you know, the conspiracy, conspiracy theorists out there, it's like, you know, may I remind you, your phone, and your computer are tracking everything that you do anyway. You don't need a chip in your body. You're, you're, the, you're already, if, if anyone wants to watch you, you're being watched. There are cameras on every corner. Uh, you can't do anything the way we used to back in the no. day. Like, it's like, out. I won't get the vaccine, but I have an Alexa. Yeah, I, no, what? I don't want to get that vaccine, but you know what? And this is what kills me about it. It's like people even, you know, who smoke marijuana. They'll say, well, I, I'm not getting that vaccine, but I'll smoke marijuana. Well, you don't know who grew this marijuana. You don't even know what's in it. Right. So I don't under, I, I, it, it just... It drives, it, this is the platform for me. This is the issue that absolutely drives me crazy when I think about who we are and what we do as Americans and just as human beings towards another human being. Like, yeah. Protect yourself, protect your family. I, I don't, I don't, it's like I have a mother and I, who's still living, she's 86 years old. Now I'm concerned about my kids being around her because. None of them seem like they want to get vaccinated. Yeah. Finally, my oldest daughter got the COVID, got COVID. And uh, she turned around later on. And about a week later after she had, it was almost over it or whatever happened, she turned to me and said, Dad, COVID is real. Yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you just, you just came to this conclusion. So, man, I, I, I just wanted to get you on the record. That's all. Sure. I, I love yeah. to get people on the record with this who, I think have some influence on other people just in general statements. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I mean, not to say this very simply, but I, 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 I just want people to be, I don't even want to say smart because everyone has their own definition of smart, but I, I want people to be safe. I, I I'd like, I'd like to, you know, stop getting the daily emails, you know, from the globe or wherever, you know, I subscribe to with that, that like here today's, you know, deaths, like, you know, like, how about, how about we do something about this? And there are a lot of people, my wife works in healthcare. There are, she's been on the front lines of this thing, you know, in, in, in her office for a year and a half. And there are, there are just, there are, there are a lot of people out there that are, are not remotely crediting medical professionals for, for 
what they've put on the line, their role in all of this, and not just medical professionals, by the way, all the people that are in, in whatever walk of life that you've been on the front lines, you know, during this, I mean, like food delivery drivers, you know, yeah. people who work at grocery stores, like you can, I mean, you can go on and on and on. And it's just, it's, it's unfortunate that, that this thing is still a reality and that it's, well, you know, it and, will, and it's it not will. going anywhere fast. Well, it will be as long as we have people like the governor of Florida who says, yeah. nope, I, I forbid you to, yeah. have, to wear masks in these schools. Florida, no, Texas. I'm, I'm going to take away the money you have because you are forced. I don't, this isn't, this isn't politics. Yeah. It's not politics. This is real life. People are dying. And it's just strange that we live here in a, a country right now that has, vaccines that we have to throw away people in india right now would be be climbing (laughs) over you trying to get to you know be vaccinated so that that's my spiel i'm sorry i went on that tangent but uh you know that's just me and i i wanted to get get you on the record with me no we appreciate everyone coming to our ted talk (laughs) absolutely this show is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus max. The uh, Summer League, you know, a few games left as we talk right now, and the regular season, preseason, all that stuff, not too far away. Let's get you on again sometime before and, you know, see what the roster looks like at that point. Well, let's let's get me on again and talk about the roster, how this team is developed, especially if they make any kind of move. And also, if uh, we can get rid of this Delta variants and, and everybody get, uh, you know, get a shot. We, you and I are both going to be happy. We're on the same page. So. Sounds good to me. All right, Cedric Maxwell, I'm Adam Kaufman. This is Celtics Beat. Thanks to our producer, Evan Valenti. We'll catch you all soon. <laughs>